This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. My boobs like professionally fit in. And oh, I used to do that for my job. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm really good at it. Can you just like look at people and say what size if boobs If you pulled your shirt back just a little bit, I'd be able to probably figure it what out. What size boobs do I so have? So around, you are, you should be wearing a 32. 32 what? Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Um, Listener, you she's might staring be, at my tits intently. You're no more than a 32D. <gasps> That's exactly it! Are you fucking <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> I still got it. I haven't done this in I'm a 32D. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, once you get all right, it. I didn't have to pay it. that woman all that money. I could have just come over to your house and be like, look. All right, hi. This is Brittany. And again, no Eric. He is with little Eve Tyler. And I am, we are, this is for Colored Nerds, uh, which is, as we have previously stated, a show about basically uh, the conversations that black people have when white people are not in the room, except we record them and share them with the world. I'm so glad you think so. (laughs) Um, So today, you can hear a little giggling uh, in the studio. We have, I have, we have, same thing. Um, We have the hilariously funny, like honestly, (laughs) truly fucking effervescent, super smart and fucking on it, she is an associate editor at the New York Times Magazine. So uh, as I, d- I described um, as the gray lady's cool little sis, but you described as, I want to say, the cool aunt that lives out of town. Yeah, that comes um, in once a week. Just be like, hey, what's up? Just say, hey, what's up? Like, I brought you back some... Here's some... an amazing feature story. Oh, my God. Okay, cool. I'm leaving. Bye. See you next week. <laughs> Welcome to the studio. Thank Jasmine you. Jasmine fucking Hughes. Thank you. Listener, you can't see me, but I'm voguing right now. I'm just she posing. Is. I'm on it. She I'm has hitting. Been. My marks. Tyra would be very proud. Yes. Yeah, you actually are hitting. Your, you actually. I'm so mad that you made a Tyra reference. Um, <laughs> you actually reminded me of like secret, like early 2000s aggressive Tyra when she was about her cornrows. Oh my God. Thank you. It's just a fact. I'm going to incorporate that into my Twitter bio later. You also remind me of that girl. Was her name Jade? The who, crazy Jane. <laughs> crazy Jane. Okay, I take it back. Who was doing We're a little skip. Anymore. You know, I mean, <laughs> and where I'm from, that's a compliment. Jade, who did the rap when she left Top Model. Yes, Remember no, when she did that terrible the, smoking room? Yes, I d- could never have forgotten. But I also love Jade because Jade, when she was doing like the like the makeup test commercial, she like kept skipping <laughs> in front of people and just giving them the hand, which is like, in essence, to me, that's like my spiritual goals. <laughs> 
Remember Jade was old? Jade was supposed to be like the oldest person in top model history. But she was like, what, 28? She was 26. <laughs> Wait, really? I think so. I don't know. Don't fact oh check me God. on that. But I remember it being like 13 and being like, wow, that is old. I remember being 26. It was last year. It was... It was low key whack. You're so old. <laughs> Sorry, because so you're not 26 yet, right? I'm 23. You're 20. Jesus Christ. Are you serious? You're 23? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I feel like I need to do some push ups. But or on America's like Next Top Model, I'd be like middle aged. That's true. A middle, a, America's Next Top Model, you'd be a smooth, like. Oh you're like Andy McDowell, like perpetually 45. In top model years, 23 is okay. like a smooth Andy McDowell. And she looks good. She looks really good. She was in Magic, Magic Mike, which Mike I didn't XXL. see. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. I can't talk about it. Okay. But you said something really interesting just now. You remarked upon my shirt. Just for you guys listening at home or in your cars or under your pillows. Private clutching. Jets. Hey, Beyonce. Private, I know you're listening. Yeah, I know Beyonce. Oh, Beyonce totally listens. But the shirt that I'm wearing right now, I was actually talking to uh, one of my very best friends on the phone before I got here. And I was like, this is, I was, she's going to see me later. And I was like, this is the blackest shirt that I own, actually. Oh, yeah. This is a total auntie shirt. And the reason, like, you only own a shirt like this if you are an auntie or if you have an auntie, um, which is a lot of people. Honestly, that's like yeah. half the population Most of people black people, right? Yeah. So, it doesn't um, even have to be like your actual, your parent's sister. No, but like an auntie Just person. Just like an older black woman. An older, you know? bl- exactly, who's affectionate towards you. Who gave you, you a shirt. Literally, that's exactly that's it. Just like right. A black person who gave you a shirt, right? Probably has a bosom. Yeah, Do and like husbands have bosoms. Yeah. Some. I feel don't, like I'm always I being guess, enveloped. I... I don't know. Wait, enveloped by big bosoms? Yeah. Like, uh, like Karuchi and Ayama. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Peak well, yeah. aunties. That was an auntie. That was a. That's a very good example of an auntie moment. Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't understand, you should just Google Ayama Karuchi. Um, Karuchi also, for those who don't know, is spelled K A R R U E C H E. Don't ask me how I know this shit. I'm a really good speller. <laughs> this show is brought to you by Sesame Street. And the letter K. <laughs> um, but yes, no, my mom got, my mom had, the, I just came from back literally like last night from vacation at Martha's Vineyard with my family. And my mom had this vision. For some reason, I didn't know she was going to fully follow up on it. And let me give you some information about my mother. If my mother had a podcast, I would have to fucking quit. If my mom <laughs> sat down and just like told you about her day for 45 minutes every single day on the voice memo fucking app on her phone. People would be like, serial who? Exactly. They would be like, who is, they'd be like, fucking, Ira, Ira, what? Who? No, uh-uh. No, my 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 mom would shut the fucking. You game should get down. her in here. I that's a goal. Okay. It's a goal. It's a goal. So knock on wood. Um, but she got us all these auntie ass shirts with these three cartoon like illustrated black women with like locks that says "Sisters on the Bluffs, Martha's Vineyard" at the bottom, which I didn't even notice. I didn't know there were black people in Martha's Vineyard. Oh my and god! All three of them are on that shirt. All of them. That's yeah, no, really honestly, beautiful. In Oak Bluffs is like the is like the it's like the black part. It's like the historically black part of town. Um, yes. So my mom had this vision that all of us were going to have these shirts. Since all the women in my family, we're all going to have these shirts, and. We're all gonna wear white bottoms and like take photos, like family portrait out in nature. So like, it's just like, like Solange's wedding, but a Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> I love it. I can't believe I didn't provide that for my mother as a visual reference. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. You actually, you've shown me, you've shown me the error of my ways. I need to fucking. You I could have to... been Tina and Beyonce all up in the front, and now you're Janelle Monae in the back, just smiling. I know. Seeing. Well, we didn't even end up wearing black. We ended up wearing white bottoms. We ended up wearing black bottoms because. Mm-hmm. People wouldn't follow in directions, including myself probably primarily wasn't following directions. My mom actually brought spare white bottoms. <laughs> she was like, she called me one day and she was like, I need you to buy some white jeans. And then I opened up my mouth to almost tell her I was broken because she knows me so well. She heard my jaw drop to like just let that, that vowel sound out. <laughs> and she was just like, you know what? 
white jeans are not a practical purchase for you. I'm going to bring some spare white bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> just like, okay, well, Good you. looking out. Yes. Ma. So I thought that I would wear this shirt today um, because um, I was just in an auntie kind of mood. And also, I've been on vacation. I haven't done any of my fucking laundry. Oh, yeah. No, but you called this. You called this a Khadijah James shirt? Yeah. Can you please speak Khadijah more? Khadijah James from Living Single, the most underrated sitcom, I'm sure of all time. Played by Queen Latifah, for those who really don't know what's going on. Right. Living Single is essentially Friends, but blacker and better. And I will point out, first. True. Everybody's like, wow, Friends is so groundbreaking because there's a bunch of white people living in New York and like talking to each other, talking about cheese. I've never seen Friends. Uh, oh, I trust girl, it's fine. Don't. I mean, don't, no need to start. I, I really have no desire, but um, Living Single's far better. So Khadijah James <laughs> is the editor-in-chief of Flava magazine. When yes. I was young, my mom would always be like, Jasmine, you're going to move to New York and be the editor-in-chief of Flava. Almost. I mean, to come someday. True. But Khadijah and Queen, La- well, Queen Latifah would always wear these shirts of just like, they, she would wear the auntie shirts. The same shirts that like my aunt, mm-hmm. who was from the South, was in a black sorority. We mm-hmm. always just come having these shirts. It's just like these, like queenly black figures. You know, you know that art that you see on Flatbush Avenue. Yes. Of just like yes, like these like godlike black men and women. They're like really rich chocolate cocoa brown. They're super muscular mm-hmm. and they like are holding the world. Sort of like Rachel Dolezal's art, but not fucking <laughs> terrible. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Not to, not to compare you to Rachel. Exactly. But I mean, if you were a hundred times worse. <laughs> that's what your shirt would look like like a thousand times worse and if you were the worst person quotes. in the world yeah inspirational quotes mm, like a bunch of Greek symbols for the sorority oh black Col- I went to Howard so like I definitely you went to Howard lot. yes I went to the opposite of Howard called Connecticut College Camp Con yeah Camp Con for kids is what we call it <laughs> it's like fucking sour camp wait what wait what does that mean say more what does Camp Con mean yes it's um I mean it was a school I learned things. Uh-huh. I took classes. Uh-huh. But I also like hung out a lot. Is it in nature? Is that where was, uh, I, don't, I don't I don't know a lot about It was the first time I'd ever seen that many fucking stars in my life, so sure. Wait, you're from I'm New from Haven. New Haven. But I mean, there's, there's Is New Haven like in nature? I don't know anything about it. No, take that back. That's offensive. I don't know. No, New Haven is um Basically, like, if you just took downtown Brooklyn and broadened it. If you took downtown Brooklyn and, like, Prospect Park South and put them together and made them slightly larger, that's New Haven. I'm going to be honest with you. I thought that New Haven was exactly like Stars Hollow from Gilmore Girls. Mm. It's been fun. I'm going to leave the podcast now. (laughs) This is a great episode. I don't know anything about I've only been to, like... Hartford, Connecticut. And I drove through I drove through Connecticut last night coming back from Martha's, but I don't know. No, New Haven's cool. New Haven it's is poppin'. definitely popping. New Haven is I would say like a largely black city. Shut up. With a with a preeminent sort of um like lower middle class, working class population. Interesting. New Haven is very black and poor in some sections, but also Yale is New Haven, so it's very, yeah. very rich and white. So it's it's like this literally it's like I went to I went to high school for my last two years in New Haven. I went to two different high schools. I went to like regular, like academic school, and then I went to artsy fartsy school. Mm-hmm. And my regular academic school was like the lowest SAT scores in the city, or the, no, lowest SAT scores in the state, or something among that. It was like wow. I 
I will say it was 99% black, but we had, like, one Asian kid. Wow. And then, like, 1,500 black kids. I mean, I had fun. That New Haven's fun. not, like... New Haven and Hartford and then other, like, pockets along the, along the coastline. Connecticut as a whole is a really, really white state. That's just, like, these concentrated poor brown and black, like, spots, essentially. Mm. So New Haven largely is... Anywhere from, like, working class to middle class, mm-hmm. for the most part, I would say. Hartford is sort of similar. But that's interesting. I didn't know that about... I didn't. I had no clue about that. Thank you for that history lesson on New Haven, because I had no... Or geography, or, like, travel lesson, whatever. I'm not, like... Just I, some facts. Yeah, some facts. Because of me, who you. I am. And uh, let's talk about you. Okay. Um. So, you write, you edit, you do a little of this, you do a little of that. I'm nodding emphatically. Um, but one thing that you described yourself as in one of my favorite essays of yours, which was one about comedians punching up as opposed to punching down. But yes, it was published in the New Republic. And you described yourself as a humorist. Yeah, that was the first time I ever did that. I just I called myself that as a grounds to write the entire essay. I was like, if someone is going to write an essay, like coming at comedy as not really an industry, but more of a of a practice and to sit and critique like this, this set of jokes um, I can't critique comedy without being a funny person without interacting with it mm-hmm. myself wait so what did it to be absolutely specific the essay was about how um, white people are co-opting racial humor and mm-hmm. co-opting white people be like jokes which mm-hmm. is one of my great joys mm-hmm. um, but you it's the funniest joke in the world oh it's it, ne- it literally never fucking is. You could do it forever and ever. Forever. But you, um, I know you had to call yourself a humorist to be able to like. I mean, really I why I called myself a humorist yeah. is because I wrote a Shouts and Murmurs one time in the New Yorker. And I was oh, like, I'm funny now. Girl, please. This Damn. Shouts, for those of you who don't, who have never read Jasmine's Shouts and Murmurs from um, the New Yorker, it's like the funniest shit ever. And Eric and I both love it. Obviously because you wrote it. Obviously it's hilarious. But you mentioned. Popeye's chicken. And we're huge fans of that around here. I think, here's my take. Yeah. Popeye's tastes better when you're in your underwear eating it. Girl, I'm going to be honest with you. I've never, and this makes me sound like a little ridiculous, I've never made it to my bedroom or to my living room. I've never never been able to get my clothes off before (laughs) enjoying my Popeye's. You're not living your best life. I can't, I'm sorry, I can't imagine. I'm like, me and Popeye's got to get it in immediately. Like, I can't wait. I don't think I've ever had a Popeye's sober and with pants on. I'm going to tell you, I've eaten Popeye's like, Eric and I have eaten Popeye's 11 a.m. when they open, so I don't, you gave me, you just gave me <laughs> this singular side. Okay. But yes, wait, going back to you being a humorist, uh, what were what were the emotions that, because it's, it's a, that's a, there are lots of funny people who wouldn't necessarily refer to themselves as humorous, and unfortunately, sadly, when someone thinks of humorous, they think of like, Samuel Clemens, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So you're a young black woman, um, even though you feel like, I just I just had the one shouts and murmurs, you know what I mean? It's literally a single shout. But no, it was popping, though. But <laughs> And it's a huge deal anyway, so congratulations. But how how did that feel, like putting that out there? Being a black woman, writing for the new New Republic, mm-hmm. right? It, about this, like, white people co-opting, you know, an important an important part of the comedy conversation. Calling yourself a humorist, you insert you're inserting yourself into the discourse. It what if any emotion was behind that? Well, um, it felt it almost felt overdue. When I wrote that article at that point, I was working at the Hairpin, which was my previous job before mm-hmm. I went to the Times, and my title was contributing editor, which means I had to edit pieces 
reg- like relatively regularly, and I wrote a lot. Not going into it with any sort of predisposed notions. I like everything I wrote was really funny, and I was getting attention for being funny. And I'd always, in like thinking about my career, I'd always been like, I like to write about myself, and I like to make people laugh. But I never thought of it as a a conscious thing of like I want to write funny things or mm-hmm. something. I just I want to write what's going on in my brain, and it turns out like, my brain is a very hilarious, fantastic place. So when I called myself a humorist, which I did for the very first time in that article, which I also like, had a great experience. The whole editing process was really great. But I um, I did feel some type of way like writing for the New New Republic. But I, now, I guess what is it? Six, seven months later, I feel really good about it. I'm happy that I did it. Mm-hmm. But calling myself a humorist for the first time was sort of, it, it felt like I was being legitimized, but it was powerful in that I was the person doing it. So I wrote the, the New Republic article in, I think, January in this year. And I wrote the Shouts and Murmurs in October of last year of last year and as I always tell my friends if you want a free lunch in this town the easiest way to do is to write a single shouts and murmurs because for like two months everybody in the city wanted to take me out to lunch (laughs) you try to buck you should do this and I was like I had no plans to do any of that but Uh I will happily eat Cobb salad at a fancy place Girl, and then tell you no at the end. Fancy Cobb salad be the best. Cobb They're best, salad. right? They're also like $19 and I'm not going to buy one. Well, hell no. So I will let you buy me a Cobb salad. Um, so I was getting, so through all that I was like getting myself, I suppose, in the mindset of like, oh wow, maybe I'm like a funny person. Which, which just sounds crazy. <laughs> because there's, there's one thing that, there is one truth in my life, which is, I think I'm fantastic. Mm. But I never, but you know, Sometimes you can think of yourself as just like blanket fantastic or blanket great or whatever. But yeah. I never really thought of like my skills and how I could apply them to like the day to day, you know. So you're, so then I was just like, what? OK, so maybe I can take this sort of like innate natural born trait and like get paid for it. So then after the shots and murmurs, I just continue writing funny stuff. And then I sort of like with time realized that I like writing this humorous material. This is something I'm really into. And no one else is going to do it, so I'll be the person to call myself a humorist. I feel like I have done enough to insert myself in this conversation. And sort of, I guess, with the New Republic article, guide that conversation Mm. and have... I mean, I'm not saying that I, like, had the industry as a whole, like, take a step back and say, wow, should we stop making these jokes? But, I mean... Judging from the people who were, like, adding me on Twitter for the following week, like, it made a lot of people think and also get really upset. That's good. Which is good. Mm -hmm. That's all I want is to make white dudes mad. Wait, so when you say guide that conversation, tell me more about that. Because I loved that essay. I thought it was, like, it was like you had taken something that was in my mind and, like, put it out. Yeah. And I'd seen that, like, obviously, like, with race. I'd also seen it with gender as you know like men making really shitty jokes about women and then most recently Caitlyn Jenner Mm -hmm. and like her emergence I've seen a lot of people of all stripes colors genders um feeling totally justified in making really shitty jokes and punching down um and so I I thought it was something that was so necessary can you tell me like what was like the tipping point that made you feel like this was something that you needed to write about just take a step back I should summarize the article which is this that I had seen, and I we talked about this. It wasn't like they gave me this idea, and mm-hmm. I just wrote about it. But I'd seen like a plethora of these jokes of um, these racialized jokes on social media platforms like Twitter and Tumblr mm-hmm. um, that originated and 
communities of people of color and then were being co-opted by white people, not because they wanted to steal the joke, but because they wanted to like associate themselves with that structure or that group or that, um, I guess, pattern in order to differentiate themselves from the group that they are a part of. Mm -hmm. So, for example, it's a bunch of white people making jokes like white people be like X, Y, and Z without realizing that they are the white people that white people be like. They're still part of that group. Beautiful quote that you... um, Oh, my God. There's some Tumblr quote that I included in the article that's actually better than my entire article. I will read it now. It says, white people be like, white people be like, but they be like the white people that white people be like. Isn't that deep as fuck? I am so glad I was not high the first time I read that because I would have been like, <laughs> yo! You were just like, copy, paste, citation, send it <laughs> to the New Republic. Done. Yeah, where my um, So my, So actually, if people read the article with nuance, which most people don't, I wasn't saying that white people <laughs> should stop making the jokes. I think white people should stop doing a lot of stuff. Making jokes is like further down on the list. But I was saying, okay. if you're going to make these jokes, you're not helping anything. Like, you are not helping the cause by making fun of white people because you are still white mm-hmm. and you still benefit from white supremacy that guides our society. Mm-hmm. And you're not making anybody feel good. Yeah, it yeah. kind of just serves to make you feel a little just, bit less bad about being right. white. If you can mark yourself as like a good white person. Oh, God, that is so, that's too many people's goal, if you ask. Too me. many people want to see to set themselves apart and be seen as like a good white person or a helpful white person, but they're still benefiting benefiting from the systems that disadvantage people of color. Mm-hmm. So making a joke is not going to make up for anything that your people, that your friends of color go through every day. So that's what I was, that's all I was saying. And Message. people took it as like white people can't make jokes. <laughs> and I got a lot of like very, that was actually the most vitriolic response that I've ever gotten to anything I've written. What was the worst response that you got out of all of those? People kept calling me the like a racist nigger. And I was like, that what? doesn't make any sense. That is the most ass backwards first of all, moron. First of all, yeah, it made no sense. I got, um, but that was actually the first time I was attacked on like many platforms. Like if you get a bunch of eggs on Twitter and yelling at you, it's very easy to block them. But mm-hmm. people found my email and like my Facebook profile, which got very strange. Sorry. Um, but it comes, it's like sadly it comes with the territory I wasn't surprised it was sort of just it was more of a nuisance than anything wait so that was the most vitriolic response you seen? yeah how do you how do you like how do you recover how do you deal with that oh I just I stopped reading the comments I actually no the worst thing I think that happened is that the article got posted to reddit oh shit and reddit. the top oh, voted shit. comment was just like well Jackson sounds like a cunt and it's just like a hundred people are like like or fave or whatever the fuck they do. Yeah. They upvoted it. Oh. Um, and at that point, I like that's that's not a discourse that I want to participate in. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sign up for a Reddit account and be yeah. like, actually, I'm really great. Um, <laughs> I think I'm fantastic. I think I'm actually fantastic. You should this listen is- to this podcast <laughs> I'm going to be on in seven months and you'll find out. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's something that like. Because that was the first and thus far only really bad response I've ever gotten to anything. And mm-hmm. and talking about communities earlier, that I'm part of this community of female writers who exist in the internet age who get so much worse on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And it's re- really terrible, like, backwards way. I felt very blessed that that was just all it was. That, like, no one found my house or yeah. called my parents or something. So yeah. it was actually relatively easy to brush off, which is pretty sad. It is really sad. 
Yeah, we we've been fortunate enough to not have. I think uh, honestly, I mean, if you go on like our website, you can see that like I'm wearing a winter coat, and like I'm serious, I'm wearing a winter coat and like com- and like wearing like sweatpants and like carrying, um, like my laundry bag and like a plastic bag from the laundromat. And when we first like started, Eric was like, "You need a picture of you like of your face smiling and stuff like that." And I'm like, "Actually, I'd r- rather I not have my face." Or my body exposed to anybody on the internet whatsoever. Especially if we're going to be talking about like yelling at white people every week, every other week for the next. You don't want them to find you. Hell, motherfucking no. I don't want anybody to find me. Last thing I need anybody to know is that I'm cute and I have a nice figure. Do you understand what I'm saying? Could you imagine? Um, but yes, so you, we've talked about, we talked about you calling yourself a humorist, um, and realizing that like that's what you were. But when did you first find out that you were funny? Ooh. Mm. Like the first, the first time I would have guessed that I was maybe funny. Well, first, I have four younger sisters who are the funniest fucking people I've ever met in my life. So if you put me in a room with them, mm-hmm. you'd be like, Jasmine, go fuck yourself. Like, nobody cares about you. <laughs> you did not tell me there were four smaller, thinner, cuter yous. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> um, so being, yeah, being in my house all the time, I did not feel funny because my sisters are so funny. And we're all funny together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, sadly, I really didn't think that I was like, I didn't know in my heart that I was funny until I wrote that Shouts and Murmurs because, what? embarrassingly, it. I thought I was funny <laughs> when I wrote the Shouts and Murmurs because it felt like I was legitimized and recognized by people who had no, like, had no vested interest in me, who had, like, no reason to didn't believe like, in me. Didn't, like, need to humor you. Right. That's so crazy because, like, most funny people, I feel like when you ask them that question, the answer is... It's usually somewhere around, like, adolescence or, like, puberty mm. age. And that's surprising to me that you, like, didn't know didn't know that you were funny until, like, last year. I I think I'm a funny person. And I've... I would disagree. <laughs> Sorry, that was me being <laughs> no, funny. I'm joking. See, that was a hilarious that joke. That was a good one. You got... That was, sla- that was I, a joke from me. That's me slapping my knee. Free me. I like that. That was good. That was good. <laughs> Um, and I've known I was funny since I was 11, mostly just because I grew up around mostly white people. And I got extre- <laughs> extremely funny looking around 11, which some uh, got How better. How long was your awkward stage? So we start at 11 when like st- I stopped being like awkward cute and started mm-hmm. getting like legitimately. This like is, uncomfortable looking. Yeah. Like nobody wanted to look at well, your face. Well, qu- I didn't get quite there. That was okay. about 14. Okay. There was a smooth year. I don't know what it was. I, I, I 13. I was cute for like a middle schooler. I was like, it was okay. Okay. I wasn't fine, but I was cute. All right. And then 14, it just took a hard, strong, mm-hmm. strong left. Um, <laughs> but yeah. No, I realized that like I was just like gotten really funny looking and that like people, people always wanted, really wanted to be around me and they wanted to talk to me. And they wanted to be my friend. And I remember thinking like. Based upon like the general rules of our social environment, mm-hmm. you shouldn't feel this way. <laughs> like this is like this seems like a breach of some sort of social contract. Right. Um, do you, if if and you really don't seem like you want to walk this back. Um, so yeah, so me being funny was like a thing that I like I knew that I didn't know that's what it was until maybe I was like 16 or 17 and weirdly enough I read a Ray Romano interview where he was like oh, oh being oh, the awkward oh. most awkward kid in my block made me funny and then I was like oh this is the thing maybe that's what it is so you were an awkward kid so here's my question yeah for you. let's turn the tables oh god were you a nerd in oh school oh my god I mean assuming you were I, I used to get up before school and watch inside the actor's studio oh my gosh I was a big fucking nerd. Like I was, in, like I'm a big, like I've always been. So you are, like you are a nerd. I am a nerd. I just wasn't like into school. 
Do you still identify as a nerd? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the wise why, why that's why the show. I have a friend who has a theory about if you were called a nerd, if you were considered a nerd in high school, how you interact with the word in your adulthood. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think I was a nerd. I think I, I actually sit and think I think about myself all the time because I'm Girl, endlessly interesting. But I always try to figure out what uh, what like high school label would have applied to me. Mm. And I think it's just weird girl. I was a weird girl. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. If you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams. Now celebrating 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams is the originator of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort, as its ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are each made with premium materials. Get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code PODCAST15. Going back to the original thing about you being a humorist and you like being a funny person and you also having not just being a funny person, but you talk about your friends and your family being surrounded by funny people. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also in like the like a really bad. I guess there's never like a great time for black women mm-hmm. socio politically um, and socioeconomically and even sometimes socioculturally. Mm-hmm. But. Um, we're in like it's it feels shitty. I think it, this is maybe in my lifetime, in our lifetime, this this time to me feels the shittiest. Mm-hmm. Even though I think that in a lot of ways it's still kind of a, the best. Right. How do you, how does humor help you like through these, and how do you use humor to connect with other people during these like during these points during like a Sandra Bland time, like a CC like a free CC time or right. a Marissa Alexander time? Well, I, I largely stopped commenting on on these um incidents like publicly and social media and stuff just mm-hmm. because i used to like after uh michael brown was killed i talked a lot about it on social media and just yeah. like the again the comments and the reactions that i got were so just like it's like i already feel bad enough that i that people who look like me are being gunned down on a regular basis and mm-hmm. there's nothing i can do about it and mm-hmm. we've just sort of accepted it as normal now mm-hmm. but for you to come at me and just like say like 
oh, that's wrong. He deserved her. He he stole those cigars and you shouldn't have been doing that, yada, yada. Or just to be like, black people deserve it. Black people are garbage. Black people are monkeys, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Just, it's it's like you're not helping. Yeah. <laughs> and no one's intending to help. But I, I just, it, it made things so much worse that I was like, I can't do this anymore. So I, I will talk about it privately, privately with like my squad, my communities. Mm-hmm. But I don't do it any sort of publicly. What I do is um, when something like that happens, I've a stopped watching video. I didn't watch the dashboard cam just because. Yeah. Self care. You just have to. You can't expose yourself to that so much, or else you're going to lose your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I watch so many vines. Sometimes I will just like leave work. On Wednesday nights, my boyfriend. Here we go. My boyfriend plays Dungeons and Dragons. Love it. So Wednesday nights are my me nights, and I'll come home. <laughs> I'll do a face mask and have a bottle of wine and just watch vines for hours. I love a vine. Mm-hmm. I love the vines. What is it about? What is it about vines specifically? It's not. I don't know. The, I don't. The teens have figured out like the secret sauce of vines. Mm-hmm. They have. Oh, they, God. oh God. I love. I love me some black teens and vines. They kill oh, it. Oh my gosh! And that's and, and it's, it's. Um, I guess it's helpful in two ways. Like one, mm-hmm. it's the immediate sort of humor that's being thrown in my face that makes me feel better. But two, it's really nice after being inundated with images of like these corpses of these black bodies mm-hmm. and and um under siege, like to see a bunch of black kids like having fun and being popular and like creating these opportunities for themselves by posting a bunch of funny six second long videos and like mm-hmm. parlaying that into like a TV deal or a movie deal or whatever. It just, it gives me, like, it makes my heart glow again. It makes me feel whole again. That, like, there is always the other side of the spectrum Mm. where where actually positive things are happening. So if I can immerse myself in that for a tiny bit, you have to totally forget, like, the really terrible realities that people go through every day. But to know that that's not everything that's going on. There are actually, like, these great funny things that are also happening. Mm -hmm. Then I can feel better. So it's less, it's definitely less about me putting my humor out there Mm -hmm. in times like these it's more just me like taking it from other people because that's it's very healing to me you talk about um you talk about vine teenagers like you're hilarious on twitter you're hilarious for hours a day every single day on this medium that like that's completely democratized my twitter is something i'm very proud of it's like my twitter and my boobs i'm just like have you seen either of those because that's where i'm best you sound like me right now (laughs) (laughs) um several weeks ago it was uh like DM your crush day on Twitter. I you miss to, like, everything. You but okay. <laughs> I miss everything. It was a day where you could slide into anyone's DMs. And I got no DMs. So there <laughs> there no it is. Either. Yeah. You could slide to anyone's DMs and like t- confess that you had a crush on them. And I tweeted like, DM your crush day or the day I discovered that you can't DM yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and some people were like, ha ha ha, that's funny. And some people were like, you can go fuck yourself. And some people were like, actually, you can DM yourself. It's really simple. <laughs> Thanks. That's what I was totally going for, you guys. Thank Appreciate you. it. It's a joke. Um, yeah, I think actually I largely get like a very positive reaction from like my tweets where I it's it's both like putting it's both performative and also very much not. The things that stick out most actually are the really positive um, reactions where people are like, I'm really glad that you did that. Or like, I see myself in you or I get an inspiration from this. Or. I saw I saw something on Twitter um, that I know you're passionate about, mm. um, and you and you you express this passion. Mm-hmm. Um, it has something to do with a, a young man named Scott A. Diggs playing Hedwig. My good friend Scott. Yeah, my you're, close you're, personal you're friend close and confidant. Friend Scott. Scott Diggs. Um, yeah, when I we actually talked about topics that we wanted to discuss today, one I, that I definitely felt like was in your wheelhouse and that you seemed thrilled to talk about 
It's Tay motherfucking dicks. It's Tay motherfucking dicks. So. Please explain your love affair with this man, too. So I wasn't even. Okay, so let's go back. Like, six months ago, I wasn't even thirsty for Tay Diggs. I was like, oh, that's a good looking dude. I was going to say, because, like, I'm going to be honest. You're almost. You're, like, nearly 20. Like, 15 to 20 years late on, like, the. Have you heard about Tay Diggs? Tay Diggs, right. I've yeah. never seen How Still I Got Our Groove Back. I remember when the movie came out. I forgot. I forgot you have a whole you have a whole list of movies that you've never seen. Oh before. my god! I'm here, but I have a top <laughs> one thousand movies I've never seen, and it's literally every it's the movie. greatest thing. I'm gonna include it in the show. <laughs> but yeah, so How Still I Got Our Groove Back. I remember on. that movie came. out. So when those movies were coming out, like How Still I Got Our Groove Back and The Wood, he's in The Wood, right? And The Best Man. Yeah. Like that was. My mother was in that target demographic. So my mom was going to see all those movies, and thusly was like, you can't see any of those movies. Yeah. My mom was still, like, young and cool. She's still pretty young and relatively cool. I believe um, that. So I haven't... I didn't see The Best Man until, like, last year. I saw The Best Man Holiday last year. Fucking fantastic movie. I cried the entire time. And Best Man Holiday was a great movie. I took my mentee to see it for my birthday. It came out on my birthday. <laughs> and um, That was for you. It was for me. And so I, I took her to Chipotle. She's like, we should go out to eat for your birthday. I was like, I'm paying for it. So we're going to go to so Chipotle. Gonna go to Chipotle. <laughs> right. As a gift to me, we're not going to actually sit down to eat a restaurant. <laughs> so we're going to go to Chipotle and we're going to take him to the movies. We saw that shit. I tell you, we were both sitting there fucking it up. We were crying. Crying. That shit was good. It was so good. So I think in the scene where they're dancing with the jackets to New Edition, I think that's, <laughs> I know, again, 15 years late, that was yeah. the beginning of my sexual awakening for yeah. Scott Diggs. Um, but... We had, the Times Magazine had a profile of Tay Diggs come out last week um, that I pitched because I was, because I heard that he was coming out for Hedwig. I saw you pitch that. I pitched that. Um, I saw Hedwig in the Angry Inch when it was Neil Patrick Harris. And then when Tay Diggs was announced, I was immediately just like incredibly horny. Like the horniness, like. What is it about Tay Diggs? Me. Aside from like the He's face, so the handsome. Body. He's so handsome. And he's like such an incredible singer. Um, right, he's like actually a really, really talented singer. How's his dancing? Mm, he's a better singer. Okay, he's fine. Okay. We're so quick to just like call Tay Diggs hot and leave it at that. But sometimes same with me too. Sometimes I forget that he's like talented at more than just like being good looking and mm-hmm. like arousing me. He's on this earth for more purposes than just to make me horny, which That's is hard deep. to believe. Yeah. But I'm coming around to it. So I pitched this article and it was great. And I go see, so I go see Tadix and Hedwig on opening night on mm-hmm. Wednesday. I have never considered myself a fangirl. Like the closest to this, the closest like sort of fangirly thing was when I was 13, when You Got Served came out, that every I black teenager, <laughs> did you not go see You Got Served? Uh, I, I've seen it. It wasn't. It's not, it wasn't my... You Got Served was the shit. It was the shit but when like, it came out. Anyway, who, who in You Got Served had you in a twist? Oh, uh, fuck, what's his name? Jay Bug. Jay Boog. You know what, though? I mean, I went to the Scream Tour, the original Scream Tour with um with B2K and uh, Lil Bow Wow when I was in eighth grade. <laughs> Fox Theater, Detroit, Stand Up, 2001. Um, so I get it. I understand the Jay Boog. Right. I was 13. I, what did I know? I didn't know anything. You, I mean, you know. So yeah, that was the that's the first time I can remember being like feeling like I'm part of this uh sort of fanatic like crowd that's mm-hmm. swelling and stuff. Mm-hmm. But not not really since. And then go to Hedwig and the first time Hedwig, who remembers playing it, like appears on stage, they descend from the rafters mm-hmm. and as soon as Tadig's started to come down, I lost my fuck. Mind. I did not think that I could scream that loud in my entire life. I thought I was going to pass out. You so like? Did you know you were going to scream, or did it just hit you? 
It just hit me. Like, because I'd, I'd seen pictures of him in the costume yeah. and everything. I'd already seen the show with Neil Patrick Harris, so I knew what to expect. Yeah. But then he hit that stage. I have some... Tay Diggs, if you're listening to this, I have a question for he you. He follows me on Twitter. Does he follow... He follows you All on right, Twitter. Tay Diggs follows everybody on Twitter. So I know, but does he follow... Anymore. But does he follow you? Yeah, I follow him on Twitter. I've tried to DM him several times. He never responds. You should have DM'd him on DM and crushed it. I mean, what's to lose? I should have been like, yeah, Tay. Um, <laughs> Tay Diggs, how dare you? Like, I... This is, this is how I felt upon leaving Hedwig. I had a life. I had a job. I had a relationship and mm-hmm. family. Sisters. And now I have to dismantle all of that so I can masturbate to that memory of Tay Diggs and Hedwig and the angry inch. You know, I have to throw away my entire life. I had a... <laughs> this makes me sound much older than I am, but there, um, I had a photo of Tay Diggs from <laughs> Essence Magazine, <laughs> from like a 2000 issue of Essence Magazine that was taped to my ceiling. I've been... <laughs> when I was in high school. So, like, I've been real for a really long time. Ew! <laughs> Ew, Brittany. Yo, let me get a picture of that picture later. You just text me a picture. Um Tay Dix is great. I um never gonna be the same again. This mm-hmm. is how I felt. I haven't been this horny since not that long ago. First time I watched Empire and I was like, This is rude. Wait. Do you watch Empire? Yes, you Girl, do. Of course you watch Empire. Watch I'm Empire. sorry. Jesus. That was offensive. That, that was, was offensive. Do you see my shirt? <laughs> Illustrations of black women, though. It says sisters. Of course, you watch Empire. Okay. First time I saw Andre at Empire, I was like, Wait, is that the older brother? That's the older brother. True. But you know what's interesting is I feel the most sexual fire for for Jamal. Jamal is the handsomest to me. He's he's so sweet. And, like, this is the thing. No, I'll put you like this. The brother on Empire wasn't that fine to me until I saw Selma. And I know I'm supposed to be sitting in Selma thinking about the ancestors. Oh, yeah. And then I saw him with that polo in Selma. <sighs> when I tell you, I almost leapt. I left out the, my seat crotch first. <laughs> I really did. Yo, I'm not going to lie to you. The first After the first, like, two episodes of Empire and I realized I was in love with Andre, I left him <laughs> up on Facebook. I tried to add him on Facebook. <laughs> like, if you were in New York anytime soon, I'd love to hear you the that's town. A, that's a very typical me, like, thirsty move. <laughs> And I tried to add him on Facebook, and he had too many pending friend requests, so it wouldn't go through. I was clearly not the first person to think of But that's what's rude about that is that they didn't clear the path for you. I'm saying, right? But the weird thing is, he and I have one mutual friend in common. (laughs) So I need to call up this person from high school. I haven't spoken to in years. Massage them frozen contacts. I I don't know his name. What is his real name? Trey. 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 Something. Something. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, oh, you know your friend Trey? But yes, no, I really appreciate I appreciate the fervor that you feel for Tadix. And you actually you brought me you brought him back to top of mind for me. And I went back and I read the New York Times magazine piece that you pitched. And I looked at the photos and I was just like, God damn. So I appreciate you. You've improved oh, my summer. Oh, you're welcome. You've improved my summer. Thank you. That's what I'm here for. You have. You've given me new bagels. Which sounds like bagels, but it's bay. Goals. goals like I got I, you I know you got I'm trying because we are here we are we, we are, we are, we are this level. um yeah we have all those pictures of Tadigs and I, we put them into a slideshow oh my god his forearms girl what <laughs> they were like the editors were like oh do you think the slideshow is like too long I was like you really think people are gonna be mad at too many pictures yeah. of Tadigs have you considered uh getting close-ups of his nail beds I have think you, you should actually extend it Tadigs got some nudes well thank you so much Jasmine I appreciate it Eric appreciates it little Eve 
Peanut. Shout out to Eve Peanut. Eve Peanut. She's the coolest. She's so awesome. She's really cute. Um, she's so cute. She's oh yeah, you saw pictures. She's, she's the cutest. She's so cute. She's like a little brown little just love nugget. She's I like a peanut. Her. Like she a peanut. Is. She's like a little peanut. Oh my god, she is like a peanut. I want to see her again soon. Okay, um, but thank you guys so much for listening. This has been for Colored Nerds. Please subscribe, listen, rate, review, tell your friends, tell your plants, tell your pets, tell your mom, tell your dad, tell your cousins, tell your sisters. Um, and I will see you guys in two weeks for our last. Last round of guest host people persons until Eric returns. Um, so I guess that's everything for me. Any anything else, Jasmine? Nope. All right. Well. Bye. Bye. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.